You are listening to a live broadcast from Faith Worship Center in Portia, Arkansas. Ruth chapter number 1, verses 6 to verse number 13. The Bible says, Then she arose with her daughter-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her and they went on the way to return into the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Note how much that she's talking about the Lord blessing them. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice, and they wept. They said unto her, Surely we will return with you unto your people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husband? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, I, if I should say I have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would you tarry or would you wait for them until they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. Don't close your Bibles because we're going to come back to that. And if you don't have your Bible, she's going to follow along with us. But this morning, I simply want to preach, and I know that it's somewhat of a generic title, but uh, I have no better way to say it because we're going to be sticking with this subject than simply this, the example of Naomi, the example of Naomi, a woman that is in great distress. Will you bow your head and will you help me pray that the Lord will help us to minister this morning. Father, we love you today and we thank you, God, for your grace and for your mercy and love. And we thank you, God, for the opportunity and the honor, Lord, to stand up here one more time and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, I ask this morning, Lord, that you would uh, open our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and that you would anoint my lips to deliver your already anointed word. I'm asking you, God, and believing you to do a work that I can not do, and that is to move and to deal with the hearts of your people, Lord. And for everything that is said and done, I'll be very careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody says, Amen. Don't you appreciate the presence of the Lord this morning? <clears throat> Excuse me. Thinking about the mercy of God. That's why I threw that song to Brother Shea. I got the same response when I listened to it. I was talking about the mercy of God. You know, the mercy of God is when we got what we didn't deserve. We deserved death, but he gave us life, and I'm thankful for that. Amen? Anybody thankful for life this morning? And so I'm thankful for the mercy of God. He had mercy on us first before he, before he give us grace or anything else. It's because he had mercy on us. It's been often said that the mom, as we turn our attention to the message this morning, the text this morning, that the mom is the glue that holds the family together. They are the centerpiece of the family. They're the one in which the family begins to rotate around. Considering the home, and this morning I want you to understand this, I know that many different people come from many different backgrounds, but uh, I want to I minister in regards to the homecoming built upon uh, the, the design that God has given us in, in the Bible. And, and so I understand that not everybody came 
from a godly home such as I was. And I, I say this this morning that I was blessed. I came from the best home that was ever, that there ever was. I had the best, I have the best dad. I have the best mother uh, that, there, that ever walked God's green earth. But not everybody was blessed to come from that type of background. And, and uh, although we should all, if we follow God's plan, we all would have followed after that pattern. The mom has the responsibility in the home. We have a lot of mothers in here this morning, and we have uh, some young ladies that one day will be moms, and so I pray that you hear me this morning, but they have the responsibility of following a godly husband. Again, I'm talking about God's design, following their godly husband as he leads them in the way of the Lord. If you're here this morning, and with all due respect, I say this, but if your husband is not godly, I want you to know that that ought to be uh, number one. Are one of the number one things on the top of your prayer list. Pray for your husband that he would follow after the way of the Lord because the home is not what it should be. I'm not going to sit down at the table and argue with you about how good it is or how blessed you are. Truth of the matter is it's not what it should be if the man is not following after God and leading his family in the way of the Lord. The mother also has the obligation of nurturing and giving to the family the things that they have need of. Something that they are not only gifted, but they are, cre- uh, they are created in this way to be able to give to their family uh, uh, just uh, in an unbiased way the things that they need. A godly man will be, uh, will be found as one of, the most, uh, one of the most selfless people. A godly, I mean a godly mom will be found as one of the most selfless people on the face of this earth. And I witnessed this and I still witness this today in my mother always giving to the point that it becomes, watch this that it becomes her joy I have watched as my mom will drop whatever she's doing it don't make any difference if she's in the middle of something it don't make no difference what's going on if I need her or sometimes even when it's not that big of a deal I've called and, and asked mom what are you doing and, and she would tell me and then she would say well what do you need and I said, well it's not that big of a deal no I want you to tell me what you need and then you get arguing with your mom and I'm not going to argue with her because I got whippings for that growing up and so I would say, well, I just, you know, something little. I'll be right there. She, that was her joy, to give to her children, to give to her family. And I watched as a mother, a, a godly example of a mom would be a one that is one of the most selfless human beings that walks the face of the earth. And he, it becomes her joy. I would say that outside of a proper relationship with Jesus Christ, nothing more impor- is more important to a godly mom than her family. Outside of a relationship with Christ, nothing is more important to a godly mom than her family. She may sit back. She may let the husband take care of herself. She may uh, or take care of himself to an extent. She may uh, sit idle. She may be the quiet one. She may be the one that you would think that is not in the foremost uh, uh, front picture. But I want you to know. But when it comes, uh, uh, when it comes to uh, a mom taking her place, when it comes to their family, listen. You don't mess with a mother's family. You don't mess with her children. You're going you're gonna to see a side that you thought was never there. You're going to see a side that you did not know that exists. Because uh, to, the, to a mom, uh, you just don't mess with her children. If you want her as an enemy, then attack her children. If you want her as a friend, then help her children. 
Because a godly mom's concern is the well-being of her children. A God-given attribute that they have that will cause a mother, they will fight like no other. They will love like no other human being. They will sacrifice like nobody else that walks. They will persevere persevere like no other uh, human being can do it because of the God-given way that they were built and created to take care of their family. See, regardless of how society views the construction of the family today, God knew what He was doing when He built a home. And I'm sorry if this is offensive, but I also want you to know I am not sorry. I'm not apologizing apologizing for the truth. God knew what He was doing when He built the family. He made the family to exist with a man as a dad and a mother, a woman as a mom. A child needs a dad and they need a mom. Listen, mom, you can't be their dad. Listen, dad, you can't be their mom. You are uniquely, fearfully, wonderfully created to be the mom or the dad. And a child needs a mom and they need a dad. His plan was to be constructed with a man and with a woman in the home. And that's the way that God chose to raise up their children of today. In the Bible, we have some great examples of mothers. And I want to recall just a few. I promise I've not read you a scripture and forgot about it. I'll get back to my text. But I want to read you or recall just a few examples of a mom. There is the mother of Moses, Jochebed, which was uh, not, she's not spoken of much at all. Her name is only mentioned twice in the great canon of Scripture that we have, but she is one of the greatest moms, in my opinion, that stands out in the Scripture for us today. When Pharaoh would make the creed that all of the men child, the boy children, would be killed and they would be murdered because he would feared a great deliverer being raised up. That's what he was afraid of because he knew he may not have honored, but he knew that God's word would hold true and a great deliverer was coming. So he made the law that all of the boy children would be killed and they, uh, from, all of, from all of the camp of Israel. And Jochebed, no, refusing to let her, her child be killed, uh, she made an ark out of bulrush and she put him in that ark and she put him in the Nile River and she trusted that God would take care of him and we know and we understand that the destination of Moses was that that God had his hand upon him watched over him he was raised in the in the mansions of Egypt but he refuted them choosing rather to suffer with the children of God because he was God's chosen deliverer the great mediator of the law to the children of God in the Old Testament. But what we see here and what we learn from Jochebed is that she was a mother that was sacrificial and she was so sacrificial that she was presented with a situation that was out of her hands. There was nothing she could do to save her child. There was nothing that she could do to talk them out of of taking his life. She was out of options. She was there at the end of her rope. And when she couldn't do nothing else, she placed him in an ark, which was a type of Jesus Christ, and let God take him. In other words, When she couldn't do anything else, she gave him to the Lord, put him in the hands of God, and said, God, here you are. You know my heart. You know what I want. But I can't help him. But I know that you can. And God was faithful to her and protected her child. 
Moms, I want you to know this morning, uh, there may come a time when you're out of options, uh, when your child is rebellious, uh, when you don't know what else to do, when you've got nowhere else to turn. Uh, I want to tell you this morning uh, that God is not a respecter of persons. Uh, what He done for the, mo- the mother of Moses, He'll do for you uh, when you don't know where to turn, when you don't know where to go. Give Him to the Lord and trust God to take care of Him. I think this morning about the Shunanite woman who is her womb was shut up. We don't even know her name, but her womb was shut up in 2 Kings chapter number 5. And she was shut up and wanted a son. See, having a son, having a boy child. I know I'm missing, I'm going over a lot, but I want to get to my text. But having a boy child was special to the to woman because the genealogy, the, the family name was to carry on. And the mother was honored if she had a son. The man of God, Elisha, came by. She had blessed the man of God. She had took care of the man of God. She had housed the man of God. Elisha, who is there, he is a type of Christ. When he came by, and his servant would say, she, we should give to her, and I'm paraphrasing, we should give to her. Elisha said, what is it that she wants? Well, Gehazi said, well, she doesn't have a child to carry on her name. That's what she wants. She wants a child. And Elisha went to her. I want you to think about this. This mother, he went to this mother and said, at the time of conception, you shall have a son. You shall have a boy child. Something that was so dear to her heart, she looked at the man of God and said, don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. Don't break my heart. I'm not lying. By the time of conception, you shall have a son. And she had that son. And one day, while he's working in the field, well, we know that the son fell over dead, probably from a heat stroke or something. Really not sure. Really doesn't matter. But he fell over dead. And she went to her husband, get me a servant. And I want you to get me, a, a, saddle me up a donkey. I'm ready to go. I've got to go to the man of God. He said, I'll send somebody. She said, no, I'm going to go. Well, we got servants. I know. But I need to be the one to go. And she got a servant and they saddled up an ass and when they got it saddled up uh, she told him she said don't spare the riding on my part don't spare it in other words uh, I'm going to say it like we say it when we're riding coats let's whoop and ride we got to whoop and ride we got to go we got to get there as fast as what we can get there and when she got there uh, the servant of Elisha came out what is it that you want she refused I got to talk to Elisha I'm not leaving till I talk to Elisha and she brought him back and Elisha got on him and and raised him back from the dead. Uh, uh, that little boy, God gave it back to him. I know I skipped a lot of the story. I did it on purpose. Here's my point. Uh, now, there's nobody that will go further than a mom for their children when her child is in trouble. When everybody else will quit. When everybody else will give up. The mom will say, I will go and I will get there. How many times, this ain't in my notes, but I got to say it this morning. How many times has I seen somebody, a son or a daughter, that was strung out on drugs, strung out on alcohol, and everybody had given up on them. They started calling them a crackhead, which we shouldn't do because they got a soul. Started calling them an old dopehead, which we shouldn't do because they got a soul. Oh, they're no good. They ain't nothing but a drunk. Yes, they are. They're a creation of God that's got a soul. That's right. Everybody has given up on them. They ain't nothing. 
And over here in the corner, mom is spending everything she's got. She's still loving. She's still giving. She's still doing everything that she can. And when he looks around and the dust settles and everybody else has quit, there's mom back in his corner saying, son, I still love you. Daughter, I still love you. And I will still help you if you will allow me to help. Nobody will go further than a mom. Now think about the mother. Another favorite. By the name of Hannah. She had a son by the name of Samuel who was the last judge of Israel and the first prophet of Israel. Her womb was shut up. She went and cried and prayed to Eli the priest, give me a son. I want a son. And Eli said, you're going to have a son. She'd already been talking to the Lord. She said, son, or said, Lord, if you'll just give me a son, (laughs) I'll give him back to you. I'll raise him. There won't be a razor that touches his head. I will raise him under the Nazarite vow. There won't be nothing that touches his head. And I will raise him to serve you all the days of his life. And I will encourage him to give his life to you. And the Lord blessed her. Raised up this man called Samuel who was the greatest one of the, the ways, the first prophet and the greatest judge that Israel had ever seen. He vowed to give him to the Lord, vowed to make these things uh, uh, number one in his life. And we see that Samuel was a man. He was a man of great wisdom. He was a man that God used greatly, even used him to anoint the greatest king that Israel would ever see, the king David. Samuel was used mightily in the, in the plan of God. And I bring her name up this morning to tell you this, moms. Every one of your children are born different. They have gifts, they have talents that other people are not going to have. Some excel in athletes, some excel in other things, some excel just in book knowledge or whatever it may be. They have different gifts and they have different talents. And mom, did you know that it's your responsibility to look and to help to develop those gifts did you know that when God was creating your child in your, in your very womb, that he, he knew, believe it or not, He knew what He was doing? And whether it's something that we like or we're interested or not, God was designing exactly what He needed. But Hannah knew this about, and a lot of moms need to understand this today. Hannah knew this. It doesn't matter what Samuel was gifted in. It doesn't matter what he was good at. It doesn't matter what his interests are. If he got his priorities mixed up and he did not put Jesus Christ first, then his life was a life that would be lived in vain. I don't mean this unkind this morning, but I don't care if they're the star athlete. I don't care if they excel in something else. I don't mean this disrespectful. I don't care about the degree. I don't care about the achievements. I don't care about the awards. The truth of the matter is, if they don't know Jesus Christ, if they're not led there by a mom or by a dad, their life will be lived in vain. If I gain the world and I lose my soul, what have I to show for it? Gotta, My Lord. Jesus has got to be number one in their life. And they need that godly example. I had a man tell me the other day, and, and this is not just a, a young child. This is a man up in his 30s. Uh, I had him, and we were sitting and talking, and I was telling uh, about my mom and about my dad and telling how my dad went in, and he, I remember him praying at night. Uh, I remember him getting in the recliner. We just scattered out on the couch or wherever else, but uh, dad would say, come on, boys, time to pray. And we come in there, and we go to pray. And, uh, and my dad set that example because he would pray. I remember him giving God thanks for 
first. I remember him praying. I remember him entering or ending with prayer and with praise. I was telling him about this. And this man, 30 something years up in age, almost close to 40, a grown man, he looked at me and said, I've never heard my dad pray. You know why it's quiet? Because there's a lot of people in here this morning that's never heard their dad pray. I'm preaching good. That should not be. There's no time like the present for you to change that. And dads, I know I got to dads, but moms too. If your child is not led, it's not my responsibility as one preacher said. It's not my responsibility and your youth leader's responsibility to teach your children about Jesus. It's your responsibility because you can do something that we can't do. You live with them. You don't only teach them about Jesus. You're setting the example in front of them. Experiential. They need to experience Christ. Man, I got it. That's not my message. But I want to draw your attention this morning to the mother often overlooked. We got some great moms in here today, but do you know that there are a lot of moms that feels like a complete, total failure? There's a lot of moms that feel like they blew it. I've, again, me and Sister Becky's had moms or dads that sat with us, and they would say, if I could just go back, if I could just go back and redo this, moms and dads that felt like a failure. And there's nothing more discouraging, depressing than to believe or think that you have failed in raising your children. I want to bring your attention this morning to the woman Naomi. She's overlooked a lot of times. She is, let me say it like this, overlooked, but she comes into the scripture in a time of great despair. She teaches us something that is a great lesson that I want to bring to you this morning. The mother Naomi followed her husband Abimelech, Elimelech, I'm sorry, and took her two sons from Bethlehem, Judah, the presence of the Lord is the place of the Lord, to Moab, a place of idolatry. The reason she left is because there was a great famine in the land of Bethlehem, Judah. Now think about this. I know we have plans and things after dinner, but just give me a few minutes. Or after service with our moms, but just give me a few minutes. But she left the place of Bethlehem, Judah, because there was a famine in the land. And she made her way to the land of Moab with her husband and her two sons. Because there wasn't a famine. You got to understand, and I'm looking at the struggle here. Everybody sometimes is just quick to throw stones or quick to judge, but when your family is starving, I said, when your family is starving, you do what it takes to get something to eat. Even though it wasn't right what she'd done, I'm not going to throw a stone at her. I'm not going to condone it, but I'm not going to throw a stone. I'm just saying. They went to the place where there was something to eat. But it wasn't where God had told them to get. And they went out from underneath the hand of the Lord. When she got there. And the famine there. Speaks of spiritually a famine. What they were. They had forsaken the things of God. Forsaken uh, the spiritual things. 
And they have made the natural things a priority because that's what their flesh wanted. And it's, we got to be careful because our flesh wants one thing and our spirit wants another. And these are contrary one to the other. And so she lost out greatly. Think about this. This woman, can you turn the monitor down just a little bit? And she's at a place where now her husband had passed away. Then her two sons had passed away. She's left in a foreign land where she doesn't know anybody, but she does have her daughters-in-law now. But really, as far as a whole, she's a stranger. She's out of place, and she's somewhere that she's not supposed to be. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you this morning as we move on, the enemy of your soul can make things look really good sometimes. He can make things look really good. And really, in reality, it's not what he made it to seem at all. He can bring a temporary joy. But let me ask you something. If your temporary joy is costing you the presence of the Lord, what have you gained? What have you gained? I'll answer my question. You've gained nothing but heartache and discouragement. There will come, it will come at a great cost if you forfeit the presence of the Lord. And it will be a cost that was too great that one would want to pay. She's now sitting in a place of despair. One can only imagine as we read the text and we try to form a picture of what's going on in this woman's heart. You can only imagine, like the song says, I can only imagine what heaven looks like. I look at the description of heaven in the Bible and I begin to imagine. But you can only imagine what this woman is experiencing, what she's going through. She's sitting there. She's buried her husband. She's buried two children. And she's in a place where she don't even belong. And at this moment in time in her life, a place of despair. She has no hope. She has no comfort. And the list continues. She's left with absolutely nothing. The Bible says she left full, but she came back empty. Now we know that there's a spiritual meaning because there was a famine in the land. There wasn't an overabundance of food. She didn't leave with her belly full. She left full because of the presence of God. She came back empty even from a land where they had plenty of food because she was drained and empty spiritually. In this book, there's much revelation and I I choose to avoid it this morning for the most part and just stay on the surface. She's standing with her two daughter-in-laws. Get the picture. She's standing with her two daughters-in-law. And by, back then, the reason it's called daughters-in-law, because by law, they were her daughters. They became daughters. They become part of that family. It's just if it was one of her own. While she's there, she tells them, I'm leaving. I'm going back to Bethlehem, Judah, where I came from. And they said, we're going with you. She said, you don't need to go with me. You need to stay. This is your land. Moab. She's again thinking naturally. She's not thinking about the things of God. And she tells them, I can't give you another husband. Stay with me just a few more minutes. I can't give you another husband. I'm too old. And even if I was able to give you a husband, are you going to wait till they're of age to marry? She has a pretty good argument. And after hearing all of this, one of them there, and she even said, the hand of the Lord is no longer upon me. In fact, the hand of the Lord is against me. The contending factor here literally was when she began to talk about how that she must go back 
and what the Lord has done and what the Lord is against her, the contending factor is, you go back to your gods, I'm going to go back to my God. And while she's talking to him, Orpah says, okay, kisses her and makes her way back to the land of Moab. Ruth stands there. Ruth, you going back? I don't think so. I know I'm paraphrasing. Go back to Moab with your land. No, I don't think so. I think I'll stay right here with you. I got to think in the mind of Ruth. When we start looking at the contending factor, go back to your gods of Moab. I'm going back to my, my God. Ruth had, Ruth had to know that in her mind, I don't have nothing to go back to. The gods of Moab have proven nothing to me. I'm going with you. Tells her, and I, I want to read it to you this morning in the text as she brings it up real quick, the, the response of Ruth. They lifted up their voice, they wept again, Orpah kissed her, her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. In other words, wouldn't let go. She said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and to her gods, returned in after your sister-in-law. Ruth said, Entreat me not. In other words, the argument's over. I'm not going to sit here and discuss this with you uh, to leave you and return from following after you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God. And Ruth made her way back. She said, where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. The Lord do so to me. And more also if I ought but death part you and me. When she had saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her. Then she left speaking unto her. Now I'm not going to give you some uh, something. I'm just going to let you see real quick. This is going to be scary. Into the mind of Steve just a minute. I didn't read this after a Bible scholar. But according to her statement in verse number 17 she calls the Lord Lord if the Lord look at verse number 17 <coughs> where thou die I will die there I will be buried the Lord do so to me and more also possibly speaking somewhere down along the line Ruth had already forsaken the gods of Moab and begin to serve the God of Naomi Maybe she's seen her as a great symbol of streak. How is this woman still standing after this great of loss? I want to serve her God. And so all of a sudden she says okay and goes back with her. Ruth had found nothing in the gods of Moab. But Naomi was leaving a land of a feast and the natural things to go back to the land of the famine and the natural things to Bethlehem, Judah. But spiritually she forsook the things of the world for the things of God. Ruth couldn't shake it. She said, I'm going. And Naomi led her to Bethlehem, Judah. And immediately, watch this, the Lord began to bless her. The Lord began to bless Naomi and to bless Ruth. She met Boaz, the kingsman redeemer. He provided for her protection. He told his servants, he said, hey, y'all keep an eye on that young lady. Anybody tries to come and take anything she has or tries to afflict her, then I want you to take care of it. Y'all keep an eye on her. Next day out in the field, hey, I know we're in a famine, but when you get around to the corner, I want you to throw out some handfuls just on purpose. Just reach down there and grab some handfuls on purpose. I want Ruth to come by and see a pile of corn and find out that she's being blessed. She came back to Naomi and Naomi has said, where in the world did you get all of this? I got it from Boaz. Well, let me tell you something. He likes you. Because they're not that bad of gleaners when they go to the corn. If you found this much in the field, that man likes you. She begins to instruct her daughter-in-law. 
and her daughter-in-law or her daughter here by law is seeing what the, what's going on. Naomi, still a mother in despair. Watch this. Felt like she blew it. Felt like that it was over. She made her way back to God and led her daughter now by the name of Ruth. And the Lord used her in a great way to teach Ruth something. You see, just because she may have blew it, just because she thought it was over, I want you to know this morning that if you turn back to the Lord, He can take what little bit you have left and bless you greater than what you ever imagined. Moms, I want to tell you, even if you feel like you blew it, even when you don't expect it, if you can, your child may cleave to what you have invested in them and God bless them in a way that you never could. By bringing Ruth along, and I'm about to come to the end of this text, she introduced her, watch this, she introduced her to another crowd to fellowship with. Mom, the world of the crowd is not going to help your child. Well, we're in the world. Okay, well, don't use that as an excuse to allow your child to be with anybody and everybody. I'm preaching good. The worldly crowd is not going to help your child. By bringing Ruth along, she taught her that the Lord is able to give and bless them in the way of the miracle. You, he could give what we don't deserve and something that she didn't work for and certainly something that she didn't earn. And again, I've got to say, aside from achievements, aside from awards, aside from degrees, aside from the trophy, have you taught them about Jesus Christ? Because He can give them something that this world will never be able to give them. The free gift of eternal life. Do they know Jesus? Do they have salvation? Do they know what it's like to be in the presence of the Lord? I say this sometimes and some people, I'm just careful. I don't condemn anybody for not being in the house of God every time the doors are open. But you will hear me stand up behind the pulpit and tell, and I will say, be a great benefit to you spiritually and to your children if you come to the house of God when you can come. And you know when you can come or not, but it's going to be a great benefit spiritually. I wasn't here last Sunday night because I was traveling and they had a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. People were coming to the altar that normally don't come and children were crying and children were breaking. The Lord was just blessing in a way. Listen, parents, that's something you don't want to miss out on. And they don't need it just one time. I'll say it's a great benefit. Well, you know, you're making a law. Don't get mad at me just because I'm trying to tell you something that will benefit you and your children. Being in the presence of the Lord. Aside from all of that, do they know who Jesus is? And this I leave to you. To the mom that feels like they blew it, like Naomi. I want you to see something. This is our last text. And the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which has not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee, watch this, a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, has been better to thee, which is better than seven sons. This daughter-in-law that she invested in had given her more. The Lord had blessed better than what seven sons. So I want to tell you this morning, Mom, 
I don't know why this is my direction except the Lord just laid it on my heart. If you feel like you blew it, if you feel like you've really messed up, if you're one of those that would sit and say, if I could just go back and re redo something, I just want to tell you this morning, if there's still breath in your lungs, it's not too late. It's not too late. If you will go to Jesus and lead them to Jesus, he can do and he can make up anything and everything that you've ever lacked, anything that you feel like you've missed, Jesus can make it up. He is more than able. The example of Naomi is when all else has failed, when your family is scattered, when you're sitting in despair, you don't know what to do. Just go to the Lord and take your ch children to God and let God do what he does. Will you stand with me this morning? I'll ask you to bow your heads with me all across the building, if you would, please. Father, we love you this morning, and we thank you, God, for your grace, for your mercy and love. We thank you, God, for all of our moms that's here today, God. Lord, it's been in my spirit, it's been in my heart, God, to pull at maybe a mother that feels like she's blew it, maybe a mom that feels like that she has just, she's setting in despair. Maybe a mom that has a thought this morning, if I could just go back and redo. Oh, I would go back and redo how I raised my children in regards to the way of the Lord. Lord, I'm asking you to touch their heart this morning, to prick their heart. God, to help them to see, Lord, that it's not too late. Today's a good day. Today is a good day to start to bring them back to you. And we simply do that this morning, ourselves by making our own way back by faith. And what Jesus has already done on the cross of Calvary, make our way back to your feet, Lord. This morning, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to ask, while we're, while we're on the subject of our mothers, I just want to ask you, without anybody looking around, I want to pray for a mom this morning, a mother this morning. I just want to pray for you, not leaving anybody else, and surely... I'm not going to reject anybody else. But if you're here this morning, there's nobody looking. Me and Pastor Brian, I asked him to. Nobody's looking. Nobody's being nosy. But nobody's going to ask you any questions because they don't know. But if you're here and you say, I'm a mom, and I sure wish that I would have had a chance or have a chance to redo how I led my children to the Lord this day on today. I sure want to make that right. I sure want to start today by making my own way back to the Lord and hoping and praying as my children will follow. Will you play for me, please? If that's you, Mom, say, I need to make my way back to the Lord and set that example. Would you slip your hand up and put it right back down real quickly? Thank you, Mom. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand this morning. Anybody else? I want you to pray for me because I've got to lead my children. Somebody's watching me and somebody's looking at me. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. I just want to, from this day forward, press on and make my way to Jesus so that my children can be what God wants them to be. Ruth found that her plan, God's plan, was fulfilled in her life. And I want you to know God's plan for your child is so much greater than our plans for our children. This morning... 
we want to pray for you. We've seen a few hands that went up. And this, as we honor our, our moms, honor our parents, this is what I want to do if you feel comfortable doing so. You're sitting by your mom. Most, some of you are. I want you to just take your mom by the hand. And we're going to pray for our moms. And we're going to pray for these specifically. That has said, I need, to, I need help making my way back. Congregation, I want you to pray as I pray. We're just going to pray together. Pray for your mom. And we're going to pray for moms in general. Would you help me this morning? Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. God, I'm standing here with a congregation, God, that is full of mothers. God, moms that are doing their best striving to lead their children in the way of God, to, to lead them in your way, in your path, Lord, that, God, that they may be what they need to be for you first and foremost, Lord. God, I pray this morning uh, that our moms would have a greater desire, those that raised their hands, those that didn't, a greater desire to serve you than what they've ever had. I'm asking in the name of Jesus that they would purpose it in their heart that at all costs, I've got to lead my children to the Lord. I've got to get them to somebody that can do for them what I'll never be able to do. Uh, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that they would have a fresh desire, a fresh anointing, God, a fresh calling to take their place in the home like they that you have created them to be and Lord this morning because it's in my spirit I want to pray for those God that may be here that has lost their mother I'm asking God for you to comfort I'm asking Lord for you to help I'm asking God for you to move upon their heart and upon their life God I pray that our sorrow would be traded for joy God I'm asking in Jesus name that we can be thankful Lord for those that you have placed in our life and Lord we thank you for all things and Lord we give you praise and glory and we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ amen and amen sing play what you got whatever it is come on sing this with him if you know it before we're dismissed this morning so I'll cherish the overlooking cross till my trophy Last I lay down, and I will clean. If you were blessed by this message or you need prayer, please email us at faithworshipcenterar at gmail.com.